0: to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is the podcast that we've created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you might be tuning in from today, welcome. Thanks for joining us, thanks for being part of this adventure as we journey through the lives and situations, challenges and opportunities of Yarra Old Grammarians. And today is no exception, it's a fascinating conversation that I had recently with Matt Card from the class of 1990. Matt was a character at school, explored the ups and downs, the twists and turns and then has gone on to etch his way through life and really following the opportunities that presented themselves. And now he lands, he's found himself, he's created for himself. He's on the cusp of what I think is such an extraordinary couple of opportunities that he's about to launch into and share and really, really make a significant impact. I am confident that you're gonna love this conversation. As much as I did at the time. Matt Card from the class of 1990, a Yogg inspired by Yarra and most definitely an inspiration to Yarra. Enjoy our conversation. Welcome back to another episode of inspired by Yarra, the podcast where we sit down with a Yogg, a Yarra old grammarian and today we're sitting with Matt Card from the class of 1990. Matt, that feels like a long time ago, welcome. And I wonder whether you might begin by telling us when did you start your journey at Yarra Valley Grammar? What year were you in?
1: Cool, thanks Paul. Um, yeah, welcome, uh, oh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I f- first year was 1978, I believe it was, making me sound rather old. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of my Yarra journey.
0: And uh, what year level did you come in at?
1: Uh, so it's prep. Right. So first, first year level, uh-huh. so I did the, uh, the full 13 year stint at Yarrow Valley and, uh, didn't, didn't look at leaving or, 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 yeah, I was in part of the family, so for it was sure, ingrained for sure. into me.
0: Do you recall much of the uniform? Was it shorts and a Ooh. t-shirt? Was
1: there a button-up shirt? Do you remember? The, um, the shirt, the, all I remember is grey. I'm pretty sure it was grey shorts. Yep. Some, some uniforms was grey shorts, grey pants. I think the only colour we had on the uniform may have been the logo.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, um, yes. I,
1: I believe that was coloured, embroidered onto the shirts. Probably. And yeah. I'm pretty sure we had a grey jumper to go yeah. with that with a pair of grey socks and a pair of black shoes. It was, yeah. it was really quite an inspiring uniform back yeah. then.
0: <laughs> I think we've added a, a little bit of red to that now to bring a bit of colour and uh, a bit of life into that. Um, and we now the students wear a black blazer, uh-huh. uh, which actually it, it sets it off really, really nicely. It is quite a good look. It's nice. quite, um, you know, a, as far as independent schools go, there are some quite... Uh, loud colors out there. Absolutely. Um black is sophisticated and it yeah. seems to work very well.
1: Yeah I do know you mentioned that, I do recall a cherry red blazer. Cherry we red we people
0: call it has. a cherry yep. red, yes.
1: Yeah I'm not sure when that changed but uh, now I mean now you mentioned that, yes.
0: Yeah yep. I think many people would say it was a good change. Now it's a cherry red jumper. Yep. And then uh, a black blazer over the top, which which kind of tones it down just enough I think, just yep. enough. For sure. So in that time, so prep, Through the junior school and eventually your middle school and then the senior secondary school as well. There's lots of change in in that time. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your memory of the grounds. Are there particular buildings you recall? Where did you hang out at, at any point? Was it the ovals? Was it was there a library? Was, was there a canteen anywhere? Any of those sorts of memories ring a bell?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, the, the school was quite basic back then. We had And there was, there was a de- really defined separation between uh, we, uh, junior school um, and sort of your, I'm not sure what they called it, like middle school. Before you actually moved into year eight, you sort of had year prep to seven, but yeah. it was sort of still separated away a little bit. Um, so you sort of had that junior school side up to grade four, kind of kept to the, uh, so sort of I guess the, um, Maroondah Highway side of the school. Yes. So we we're always down the playground down there and, yeah. and, yeah, uh, you had to wait a couple of years before you're actually allowed to go down to the Oval unsupervised. Right, right. So It's like a rite of passage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And then I think when you got to gra- about grade five was our first intake. So we went from a, from a single class into a double class. So know, that was exciting. We had lots of new faces come yes. onto the grounds. We got a few new privileges. It was the year we got our pen licence, which was, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if I even do that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, wow. uh. yeah,
0: it's interesting. I, I, I must confess, I talked about uh, getting a pen licence uh, not all that long ago in, in one of my junior school classes. And they they did. They looked at me, well, what what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember those days as well that you had yeah. to work really hard to get oh, your pen a-
1: Absolutely, license. absolutely. And I do remember we had the two teachers at the time. One was a lot stricter than the other oh, to actually get I- it. And yeah. I happened to be in the softer class, so the majority of us got out. You got us, yes. Before the other class, and oh, there was a, a bit of animosity there. there, there was a, is. Bit of a bit of competition. Bit of one-upmanship and, there. Yeah, oh, I've got mine. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Tell me about uh, the caff. Was there a? Could you get no there a was lunch hall? No we
1: had a canteen. Okay. Yeah. We had a canteen, and um, which was up uh, again. I'm not familiar with the school grounds anymore. Um, it was up near the original um, gymnasium.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh Which was up near the top tennis courts. That's up near right. there' yeah. So that's there's all
0: still there. The The current version of that is the, your gymnasium has been turned into Foundation Hall.
1: Okay. And
0: so it's a gathering space nowadays. And the CAF is called the CAF now, the Canteen. Yep. When, back in your day would have been right next to the old gymnasium. Absolutely. Nowadays it's sort of, um, a couple of steps down and, uh, and serves all sorts of, uh, delights. Yep. Um, back in your day was it a sausage roll was it a big M yeah
1: we had we had the big M's there we had a a small selection of say chips and lollies but but obviously it wasn't it wasn't much um, and it was kind of hard to get money off the parents to get that kind of stuff yes yes and um, but outside of that yeah you had your pies and your sausage rolls but I I remember the big thing was on Fridays they did hot dogs and it was only on Fridays it was only you had to order it you gotta be yes okay it was only and it was only a predefined amount amount, absolutely and and for some reason if you missed out on your order and mum gave you some money you, yep. you'd be waiting for the bell to run to go and you would literally sprint out of your classroom yeah. try and get to be the first person in the line because okay. they'd usually make two hot dogs too many right and if okay. you could get there fast enough you oh, could get one even if
0: you hadn't even if you hadn't ordered, even if you it, hadn't you ordered still, it yeah oh, i like that yeah that's absolutely. a great memory a great memory yeah and uh, were you fairly sporty could you get there ahead of most of them yeah look
1: most times i'd get there but sometimes you get like the kids would pull the old oh, i need to go to the toilet oh. early or, or this something something would out and get get there before you.
0: Those tricks were happening back oh, then too, were they?
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as you progress through the school, you you probably get the opportunity to be involved in more and more sport and, and maybe even Saturday sport. Do you remember yep. Saturday sport? Yeah. Absolutely. Was that a positive absolutely. thing for you?
1: Yeah, look Saturday sport was good. Uh, it changed a lot. I played quite a few sports. I was, I was very anti AFL. I didn't like okay. AFL. I didn't like football, BFL back in the day. Yeah. So, um, I transitioned into soccer, okay. relatively quickly. Um, and um, you know, in the house sports, I was quite competent in that. And that, that was a lot of fun. And yeah. then obviously the, um, the Saturday morning sports came on. And um, I don't have a, a negative or positive experience about it. I just do remember having to get up so early every Saturday morning for Mum because being part of the uh, you know the AGS you know we could be playing anywhere all over Melbourne Absolutely. sometimes even right. Victoria so it was like just this, I just remember driving and driving and spending pretty much all day Saturday driving playing and then driving home again. Yes, yes. So it was good fun. We had a good group of guys when we were playing soccer, um, yeah. and I don't think we were ever overly competitive um, at that level. But it was more about just being involved. And, yeah, and, and some, it, sometimes and
0: that's that's quite right. It, it's about where the same jumper as, as your mates yep. and getting out there having a, yep. ha- having a bit of a go. Absolutely. Is there, and, and this will stretch you I think, is there a moment, is there a time, you know, I don't know, did you uh, have a penalty shot or did you, uh, and and uh, you know, from an AFL perspective you, you kicked the goal after the siren yep. or did you take a great catch when you're playing cricket? Is there a moment yeah. that you can take us back to?
1: I don't think I can. I'm, I can't recall. I don't recall any major defining moments. Yeah. Um, not in soccer anyway, I, I transitioned, um, I also swum. Uh swam right, yes. I swam I swum a lot outside of school. Yeah. Um and which I you know, obviously I transitioned to in school. So I probably got some more I played that longer. I sort of swum from about grade five all the way through to about year nine. Okay. Um and I made the school swim team right. as well. So yeah. I've got some more memories sort of based around that, especially around year seven. Um Tell me. yeah, well, year, year year seven I kind of probably hit the peak of my swimming and it was okay. sort of pre-puberty kind of stuff. So yeah. um you know, I had a lot of fun with that and there was lots of training. Um, involved with that. But, yeah, I had the honour of being our house captain in Year Fantastic. 7. Do you remember what house? So, yeah, oh, plumber. Is that green? Green. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right on it. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and that, that was a pinnacle in, in that, yeah. at that level for me. It was, it was really quite a thing, and I was the only, and I was one of the first person They had restrictions on how many events you could swim in. That's right. Um, and there was a maximum of four. Yeah. Um, and which, obviously, there's five events if you include the relay. I
0: see.
1: So I was the first student to ever actually get into all five events at A-level and um oh okay yeah yes. which was which is probably my biggest claim to fame yes um, you're on an order board for that somewhere are you oh yeah but i have no idea <laughs> i have no i'm sure it's got to be the yearbook somewhere right <laughs> um so yeah that was really exciting because that was a class fight it wasn't that you just didn't get default put into that position i yep. was literally run, run past the year level or obviously your class level and yep. um you know voted into that thing so that was a lot of fun you know I got mm. involved i got to got to run up and down the strip revving up the team trying mm. to get everyone cheering and chanting and stuff and yeah and this is back in the days when the pool was outside and freezing cold. That's and, right, uh, yes, you know, it yes. It was a lot of fun. Well
0: it's not all that long ago and, and in my time I certainly remember the pool being outside and, and certainly very cold. And, yeah. And even as a staff member um, albeit we haven't got wet and then we're out in the cold but it, it, it we've, we've had some cold days out there, there's, there's no doubt about that. As you progress through school um, sometimes the, the the pathway is that you start to kind of get a bit of a flavor for certain subjects you know you start you know a bent towards maybe maths and sciences or, or maybe english and humanities and i know i'm generalizing but do you recall a bit of a, a steering towards a, a subject area that you liked more than others
1: yeah look absolutely okay. um, 100% i was all arts um ah. yeah it was my favorite subject from the day dot I, right. I, anytime someone could stick a tool in my hand and give me a piece of wood or something and a nail to bang together yeah I was there. All it was over just it. yep, absolutely all over it. And yeah. I could try and think of designing something or making something, mm. I was yeah, all over that stuff. Um, and I sort of followed that that through school um, to the point where uh, look, my final year in school, I did the fine arts, yes. um, fine arts course, which I think 1990 may have been the last or the second last one. Yeah, that time sounds about right. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, just so through that pathway, you know, I did all the graphic designs, mm. all the crafts, the ceramics, textiles, all of that stuff. So I was always doing those subjects outside of the core, uh, you know, so sort the of math and English, which were, you know, on the compulsory level.
0: Yes, that's right. You've, you've got to do certain ones and then you get to choose yeah. outside of that. So tell me a little bit about your creativity and, and your, I guess it's an expression, um, whether it's an expression of you or an expression of an idea. Was it three-dimensional art that, you know, you talk about yep. wood and, and maybe yep. sculpture and ceramics, or was it drawing and painting and you know, what sort of Uh, art did
1: you? It was um, some, what I was good at was working with materials. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be timber, steel, um, plastics, that kind of stuff. I was always good at working with materials. Um, and, but on on the back side of that, I was also good at graphic design as well. So, so the 2D side of stuff, the the drawing and the designing and the Mm. calculations and the working things out before you actually went into that construction stage. Not that I completely understood Uh that back then or what it meant to me. Mm. Um, I didn't click soon enough that this was my talent area, and this was what I was good at. Yeah. Um, and, and school being school, you know, they very heavily push you down that academic path. So that's where um, that's where I was sort of pushed in, in, in any particular direction, was to yeah. stick, stick with the ap- academics, you know. Back then art was, mm. you know, you're a bum. If you're an mm. artist, you're a bum, you know. Mm. It's like, you go and do an arts degree, you're copping out. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't something that was supported in society at a high level, and it certainly wasn't something that was back then in, a school. Schools are all about trying to have that high achieving academic. uh, Level of student participation. And
0: yet, well certainly nowadays, those what I would know as folio subjects, those subjects like art and creativity and, and the back, background and the, the folio that you've got to put together. Enormous amounts of work involved in huge. those hours and hours and hours, huge, and commitment from staff as well. Yep, to keep the keep the studios open. Yep. you know whether it be lunchtime or even after school. Absolutely, enormous amounts of commitment both from the student and the teachers as yep. well. Yeah. Your memories? I absolutely. I,
1: we You know, the, the, the buzzer would ring at 3.35. I don't think I ever packed my books up until 4 o'clock. We yeah. were always, always late. We were always working late. Yeah. Um, starting early. Mm. Tons of work over the weekend. Look, it's not probably too dissimilar to many subjects, but it's a lot more hands-on. It's not so yeah. much just remembering stuff, you're actually physically producing work constantly to try and build that portfolio. Yes. To the point I remember I never got my year twelve muck update. We were so flood out, our entire class, not one of us made it to it. Oh. We were all flood out trying to do because I think our portfolio was finished. due the next day. Right.
0: Yeah. So
1: it was just we were just pumping it out, pumping it's it smart. out. And we're sitting there we're saying everyone having so much fun. I think maybe I got out there for ten minutes running around going, Oh, okay, that was that was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then back, back to And then it, back to it, yeah, yeah.
1: I can't look I can't remember the exact timings mm-hmm. on it, but we didn't have long to get it get it in because obviously um the subjects were more portfolio orientated than exam oriented that's right yeah. so um you know that was the core thing and as yep. you mentioned there was a lot more work involved and there yep. was there was a deadline to hit for that so and you literally worked right up to that deadline. that's right
0: yeah so I, I like it that somewhere in the midst of of your experience those 12 13 years you have been able to find a way to express yourself and your creativity and, and that happened to be through art and, and visual art what happened after that? So in terms of um, further study or straight into a job, or did you go traveling? What, what happened once you left Yarra? So you, 1990 you've, you've packed up year 12, didn't have much of a, a muck-up day. <laughs> um, we call that celebration day nowadays. Okay. So for the kids who are listening, it's uh, called celebration day. Right. Same idea, we want to celebrate and recognize um, the end of this part of our learning, and, and then we launch into the next part of learning. Where did you launch?
1: The launch, well, I came out of school into 1990, which was the, uh, sorry, you were little 1991, which was, if we recall the famous words, the recession we had to have, mm. um, so there wasn't a lot of employment opportunities available, um, and, and, and I wasn't overly driven to go to uni. Um, so I, I, did apply to unis around, I majored in photography through fine arts, um, Produced probably, well, look, to look at it now, probably an average portfolio, it wasn't something that stood out that someone's just go, hey, you are coming in here. Mm. So I went and did the interviews, did the whole lot. Look, I I never heard from anyone, wasn't upset about it, didn't really care. Um, You know, I had my mates, I had my freedom. It was, you know, first day of guess free adult life. Mm. Um, And yeah, so we, we, we messed around. We messed around for 12 months. Okay, Um, yeah. We did much. We exploring. hung out. Yeah, look, we travelled a bit. Obviously, mm. we didn't have a lot of money either. A few mm. of the mates, we'd get together. We'd jump in the car. We'd drive up to Queensland, right. hang out in some backpackers or camping some some beach for a while, and, yeah. and and just do what you did. Yeah. Um, got to learn a bit about life. Got to learn a bit about travel. To learn a bit about people and how things sort of sort of operated. Mm. Um, worked my way back down to Melbourne at some point. I wasn't gone for that long. Just the more individual trips. Um. And then you know, I sort of, then the mum starts to get me yeah, come on, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, uh, eventually said, look, I've got you a job. I so, thought oh, you're doing what? So you're going to Mildura to your cousin's house and you're picking grapes for the season. Right. And I'm okay. like, all right, fine. Yeah. So yeah, I packed my car up and I twiddled off up to Mildura for about three months. And it was the first time I earned full-time money. And for those of you that when you first leave school, you think, oh this is all good. I don't need this. I don't need that. And then you get a job. And it's like, no, I'm just going to be a short term job. And it's like, no, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden someone gives you a chunk of cash and mm. go, wow, this is good. What can I do with this? Yeah. This is amazing. So, yeah, so I worked three months full time, came back to Melbourne with a ton of money going, wow, this is awesome. I took a ton, a couple of grand maybe. Yes,
0: yes. Um, it, it felt like a lot at the time. Oh okay, it did at the time. Mm. And
1: obviously it went a lot further than, than what it did, although it's probably still relevant. Um, and then, yeah, again, went, right, what am I going to do now? And again, there was still not a lot of work around. Mm. So, um, I actually ended up on unemployment benefits, which Mm -hmm. I was not overly proud of, but, um, end of the day, I had to keep paying some bills and, um, yeah. And so then I thought I've got to do something. Let's, let's go and do some reskilling. Yeah. Um, so I went to the bartender's course Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, that actually got me a job within, within two days or three days of actually finishing that. Okay. Um. So that, that kind of was was good. So yeah, I went in there, and that was a casual job, and I worked at for I worked the hospitality industry for about five years. Ended up managing uh, managing a little place up in uh, up in Wodonga, right. um, and um, yeah, and then obviously it wasn't me, it wasn't my passion, but quite a person, people person. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed the hospitality industry. Um, and got to learn a whole lot about the public got to learn a whole lot about staffing obviously end up managing a place so i got to learn about rostering staffing payroll uh stock all of that kind of stuff that you get in a retail sort of practice yeah Um, which taught me a lot about just general society and 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 the way you interact and how you can um you you know use it to get places and do things and stuff like that but yeah i quickly worked out that working 60 hours a week working Mm -hmm. over the weekends for really not that much money not not as much as great no 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 no, absolutely not Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I thought, let's go do something different. So I went and completely flipped myself and threw myself into a manufacturing job. Okay. Um, packaging, processing, packaging line. Yeah. Um, again, zero experience, went in there not knowing much at all. I'm still sort of self-exploring who I am and what I want to do. Um, got a job, this was an amazing company, the kind of company that actually wants to promote and grow their employees. So I worked there for about three years as coming in and just literally pushing buttons and folding boxes to actually becoming one of the maintenance guys. I left there with all my um, welding qualifications, I left there uh, with all my forklift driving licenses, Uh, I'd learned all the logistics, computer systems, I'd learned all the stock control, I'd learned all loading and unloading, all the trailers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and behind the scenes is that I learned to see how this particular business and operation worked as well, yeah. which I found really invaluable. Mm. And somewhere in that time I, I got myself a, a, a partner yeah. and, um, you know, she was a very career oriented person herself. Um, so she'd um, worked her way through the ranks. She'd gone to uni, finished uni and come out. And as you do, you get the really shit kick of low-level low jobs. And yeah. she'd started to work her way through and, um, yeah, we sort of, got an opportunity to, to move, um, and it was, it was a bit of a sideways move, um, uh, she was working for another company up in, uh, Wodonga as well. Mm-hmm. And they sort of offered her a position if we were interested to go and move to, Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Which is just up in uh, New, New South, South Wales. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we thought, you know what? Why not? Why not? Okay. So, we did that, um, and for me the transition, and at that time, so on top of doing those jobs, um, My parents pushed me a little bit into the investment path. And they tried to get, get me to understand money a little bit and long-term saving and stuff. It was just mum being that doomsday, like you've got to save, got to save for the rainy day. Because of her era, because of her experience. Absolutely. That, that was very important
0: yeah. to pass that on.
1: Yeah, And look, that wasn't important to me. No, all. of course not. Of course not. My goals, I needed money for a lift ticket at the snow yeah. and I needed to be putting petrol in Dad's boat so I could go water skiing. You look, that, yeah. that, was, that was my driving. They're, they're the priorities. Yeah. Absolutely. I that was it. my drive in life. Yeah. And anyway, look, just Mum's little... Look, you, Look after yourself long-term, long-term. So look, we, we committed and we, we bought a house. Mm. We bought a really derelict house. Um, it wasn't that derelict. It, it, was a, it was a rundown. No, in, in, in Wodonga we bought right, it before yeah. we left. So this, it was around about the same time I transitioned into this manufacturing job. Mm-hmm. So I went from not having any time to working a Monday to Friday 7 to 3 job. And, um, and I thought I'd try myself my hand at, at, at renovating. And I'd help dad renovate our house back home. My grandfather was a master builder. um, So it was kind of in the blood anyway. Mm. Turns out I was quite good at it and picked the skill set up really quickly. Mm. And and I got into renovating houses on on the side. So then when we got this opportunity to move, we obviously had to sell the house and and I had to quit my job, um, which sort of all coincided at the one time. Mm. But in the 18 months I'd had the house and renovated it we'd actually doubled our money on it. Sure, yes. And then I looked at how much money we'd made doing that to how much money I'd made over the last five years. And it yep. was pretty much the same amount of money in an 18 months span. Well, this is kind of cool. So, yeah, so I transitioned from um, working full-time and doing this sort of renovating thing which was fun into full-time renovation. Wow. Um, and whilst my wife at the time would be working. Yeah. Um, and that worked really well. So we spent a couple of years in, in Bathurst, um, and then this same company sort of said, hey, look, uh, would you guys be interested in moving overseas at all? And we're like, again, same deal. Well, why not? Well, yeah, an adventure. Uh, absolutely. Mm. An adventure. It's like, right, oh, you guys need to pack yourselves up, get yourselves over here, and there's this job waiting for you.
0: Right. Which is a, a job for your partner.
1: Yeah, it was a job for my okay. partner. yep. So... At the time, I thought, cool, all right, well, I'll do the same thing. And so we, 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 we moved to uh, London. Wow. And that's pretty much most Australians do. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, again, it's kind of one of those rites of passages. Mm. Yeah, so look, we, re- we moved to London, and um, obviously property over there was completely unaffordable for yeah. us. So it wasn't something I could do. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? And, well, you know what? I haven't been to uni. Let's go and do something. Wow, okay. So I thought, what am, what am I good at? So I'm trying to get back into And by this stage, computers had sort of come around. The internet had sort of come online and I was enjoying the idea of that and I'd seen um some graphics arts departments um or printers they were back then yes. and I'd seen some of the stuff they were doing on computers I'm like oh wow that's super cool I imagine right. I don't have to draw it with my yeah. hand anymore I can so draw it on the computer around. oh yeah. absolutely <laughs> um so I thought oh let's let's go and do that so I pushed myself into I thought I'll go do IT and um, I was telling a mate of mine he goes what are you doing you're not IT Dude, mm-hmm. Arts. You need, you need to get yourself into graphics design or graphics arts and that. So anyway, so I went to, I went to learn, um, I basically learned film editing, I learned Photoshop, I learned, um, uh, uh, website design, all yep. that kind of stuff. And this is right back when websites, you were literally writing the code for yes, them. you know, yes. there was no.
0: Yeah. drop and drag. There was yeah. no <laughs> drop and drag at all.
1: Um, yeah, so I learned that, you know, I learned JavaScript and all that kind mm. of stuff. And mm. got in there and did that whilst, whilst I was in London. And that taught me, I, uh, this whole new skill set that I absolutely fell in love with. Right. Um, and right, again, right down that arts, Yep. that arts Yeah, there's path.
0: creativity in that and, and, but also the coding behind the scenes to, to know. Ha, this is what I want it to look like, I've got to do this then this then this and this, and then it might look like the yeah. way I wanted it. Yeah, it's a little bit like you were saying before about um, even managing uh, a hospitality, you know, there's the front, ha- front of house stuff which you're good at naturally, you know, you're a people person, you're interacting and then you start to learn the behind the scenes, the stock, the rostering, the, so it's interesting to me that, that there's on one level it's what people see. But you also have the ability to get behind the scenes mm-hmm. and find out how it works. Yep. And that's interesting. So we're in London. Yep. You're, you're, you again, I guess it's another career, isn't it really? Pretty Another much, skill yeah. set. Yep. So what are you doing? Are you now, uh, designing websites for people? Is that your...
1: Not now? No, not at all. Not not, it's okay. So I did this, we did this, we were there for three years, mm-hmm. um, and, and we moved back. We moved back to, uh, the central coast, um, north of Sydney. Okay. Um, and again, um, she had another job opportunity, so she went and applied for that. And we thought, oh, cool, you got it. Let's move back. Yeah. So we moved back and I thought, right, I'm going to go, I'll go straight back into um, what I was doing. So we bought another um, rundown house mm. and I was going to renovate that because mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm going to start a, a web design and mm. a um, video uh, production right. business. Yep. And I met a guy really locally who was into the same things and we started up started up this whole business and then spanners as they do typically get thrown into the works and my wife got pregnant. Okay. And at that particular time, I'd started this business and was working the house. So I actually wasn't bringing in any real money. She was. Yes. So we decided that it's beneficial for me to stay home. Okay. So I took on the role of full-time stay-at-home dad. Yes. And that only, finally only finished doing that about three years ago. Wow. So yeah, I took her all the way up to 16. Uh-huh. Um, and in between, I renovated three more properties whilst mm. I was, I was doing that. I think I threw a couple of units in there as well. I kept expanding on that. Um, it was a good job because I could, because I'd always do the house we were living in. I could have my daughter at home with mm, me, mm. um, and also be working at the same time. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. Except for sleep
0: time. It's tools down.
1: Who sleeps? <laughs> <laughs> Who <laughs> sleeps? No, but for your yeah. daughter. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, ab- You're absolutely. You've got to work around here a little bit. But I also always hung on a little bit to the digital aspect because that became yeah. more of a hobby. It never became a career. It became a hobby. Okay. Uh, a skill set I enjoyed. So I hung on to it and, mm. and kept practicing it. Um, and then, you know, things transitioned, we ended up moving down to Sydney, um, about three years later. Um, and I did the same thing again there, bought another shitty old house. This, this house was destroyed. It was condemned. You couldn't even move into it. So I think it took me six months just to get the inside to a point where we could move into it before I could do the outside. Right. Um, but yeah, doing that, that was fun all the time. My daughter's down there. Eventually she, you know, she was picking up hammers and banging stuff and, and, you know, she's always wanting to help. Um. Uh, yeah, we, we, we which was really cool. Absolutely. And then look, after, after that, um, you know, we got another opportunity to move overseas. So we ended up in America um, right. for another three, three, four years after that again. So you
0: followed your wife's work again? Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. yep. She got offered another job. And again, it was like, pff, I've always wanted to go to America. Sure. The idea yeah. of moving there is yeah. kind of cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we moved over there and um, I had similar issue. It took about two years to get myself a work permit. Right. Um, America's really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't work. Um, and, uh, it was, a, it was the year, the year we moved there was the year that Jodie Stud school. Yeah. Um, so it was actually the first time I actually got a bit of free time back. Okay. So I ended up going back into the graphic design stuff mm-hmm. and I ended up doing a whole heap of, um, uh, advertising and marketing posters for bands, mm-hmm. local bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were living in Dallas. Um, so that was really cool. So I started getting into the band scene, obviously getting connections. I was getting my name on doors at clubs. so I was walking all in yeah, and yeah. feeling, feeling really important at the same time. Obviously there was my daughter and, uh, and, and, my wife. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that took us, I'm just trying to us about 2009, few things happened. We parted ways, um, yeah. ended up, we all moved back, um, back down, back to Melbourne. That was about 12 years ago. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, do, I continued to, um, stick with my, my, my daughter, she was a full-time, so I was sort of raising her as well and doing yeah. the whole school thing. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna do something again, so I threw mm. myself back into uni. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. This time I took all the graphics that I'd been working and I took it to the next level and took it into 3D design, 3D animation, and visual effects for film and TV. Right. And I did that and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Went through that. That was a, that was an advanced diploma. So it was only a two year course. It was sort of just an adaptation an add on to my degree. Mm. And um, you look, absolutely loved it, but unfortunately they exposed us directly to the industry which made me realise that this industry is actually worse than the hospitality industry. Mm. In
0: terms of hours, in terms of conditions. In terms of hours and in terms of
1: um, lack of full-time employment. It's one of those jobs that you need to go where the work is. So you're moving a lot. And Australia isn't huge in this industry. We have some really good studios, Mm. but we don't have a lot of them. So very hard to get that work. Mm. Um, So it was a case of I'm a full-time parent with a child at school. I can't just... Up and follow the work, yeah. So I decided look, I can't, I can't do what I want to do with this, um, and yeah, we, I got really friendly with one of the guys, guys there, it was about my vintage as well, and we sat and we came up with a few, a few really cool funky ideas, and we played around with things, but we could never just get, that right, market. Yeah. And um. So you couldn't break in. No, couldn't break Mm. in, so, in this time I found a new partner. Uh Um, and we decided to buy a house. Yeah. And so I did what I do. You're I back to renovate. Bought another shit house, <laughs> <laughs> right? And started renovating again.
0: Yeah.
1: And in the same time, obviously, um, between the two of us, parenting became less of a um, less of a time yeah. burden. You,
0: your daughter's getting older, yep. and, and more she's independent. Getting, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so we just, um, I just kept working on the house full time, and then got back in touch. It was probably eighteen months. Me and this my, my union friend, um, mm. we hadn't really spoken much. We'd call up for coffee every now and then, and that mm. was it. And then he calls me, and he I goes, I want, I, want a I, want to, I want to talk to you. I'm like, all right, cool, always. So he called up, had a coffee, and he goes, I want to pitch you this idea. I want to pitch you this idea. I'm like, yep, always open for it. Had nothing to do with renovating. Had nothing to do with the digital art. Oh. It had to do with concrete. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. He goes, I've got this idea. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make recycled concrete. I'm like, pfft. What you mean? What would you even go into a market that that's big, that's mm. got some big players in it that mm. pretty much have the monopoly on the entire market? Where are we at? Anyway, he, he threw me a couple of things, which is – I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's part of our IP. Yeah. But he threw me a couple of ideas and i am gone, yeah, I kind of blew it off and I walked away from that meeting. But that, that night or the next couple of days I started thinking about – we've got to be able to do something. Concrete's a horrible substance. Look, I mean, it's it's the majority of everything's built out of concrete, right? It's an amazing invention, but at the same time from an eco perspective, it's really bad for the environment and we've covered the planet in it. Anyway, um, I thought we've got to do something about this. So I got thinking, got thinking, and I just started researching and researching and researching and about 14, 15 months later, I came up with a recipe that was about 70% recycled materials. I thought, righto, let's see if this works. So I started making it, mixing it, sourced on my raws and we started getting it tested and it came back as strong as concrete. So that, we then sat down and said, righto, look, this actually, I think is actually gonna work. Yeah. So we wrote, righto, let's go. So we committed, we took out a lease on the warehouse, we set it up, we've been doing the whole lot, got great. This is 2019, we've taken out, we've just pumped what cash we had and we put it into this project. And then we all know what happened in 2020. Mm. So then we got shut down for two years mm. after we just signed <laughs> all these contracts and leases and all of this stuff. So let's, this is sort of where we're at right now. We've just mm. got to production level in the next month or so before we can, we can open our doors. So what should it probably probably no. it 18 months has taken us nearly four years.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is. The, the through no fault of your. Oh, you know, absolutely. A,
0: a pa- pandemic absolutely. and, you know, yep. international. So, a- and I appreciate that the product's not out there yet. No. But you're sitting on what you hope to be, what you think to be, a pretty good idea. Yep. You've got recipes for it, you've done some trials, you've yep. tested it, it yep. works. Yep. The building industry right now is. Absolutely. In in all sorts of bother. Yep. Uh supply is low, demand is high, prices are skyrocketing, the time to get anything, to time to do anything is, is you know, three times, four times longer yep, than it absolutely. used to be. Yep. You know, and you're going to try and break into this market. Yep. Are people going to be happy to have you or are they going to be?
1: Look, again, it's hard to tell. It's kind of an, you know, can you predict the future kind of question? Mm. Um, obviously, no, I can't. But the transition, the, the, the good thing I've seen that's come out of the pandemic is people have really changed the way they think about what's going on, their perspectives in life, and what. The greater society means to them, mm. and, and and obviously climate change is that topical subject at mm. the moment. That can go, you know, it's a very broad subject, and a lot of things fall under that scope. And um, eco-friendly building has become really relevant. Yeah, and so we are extremely confident that this product um, will absolutely fit. I mean, it's a a dry mix. You add water and mix it, so it can be formed into anything you can think of, whether it is an artistic sculpture, whether it is the bench top in your kitchen, Mm. whether it is the wall holding up your roof, whether it is the slab that you're standing on. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, so absolutely. um, Our our biggest dilemma at the moment is um, supply. So we now need to go from a small little because I mean you're talking when you're talking concrete you're talking tons yes yes Um yeah, you know, which big scale big scale yeah you know, to, to supply the building industry that's with right, it yeah. at the moment we've gone small we've gone more into the garden industry for our initial yep. launch yeah um, which is basically um, wood look concrete sleepers um, yes. pavers tiles yes. pots that kind of stuff and that's just to get things rolling and get so just the awareness of the product. and the
0: key is because for the end user it, it looks feels touches smells like concrete yep but actually you're using recycled yep. products in what works and looks and feels and like it's concrete.
1: all landfill destined products. It's majority glass, recycled glass. Huh.
0: So you're rescuing it yep. out of what was going to go to landfill. Yep. And you're turning it into something useful again. Absolutely. So the notion back in your day and mine, reduce, reuse, recycle, the triangle that seemed yep. to, and we nowadays we do that by putting, we think putting the right thing in the right bin how much of that actually works, I'm not sure. Yep. But you're taking that to a whole new level. Absolutely. You're capturing it before it goes into the rubbish. Yep. And saying I can do something with this.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Wow. And we're working with quite a few companies now, we're becoming a, a downstream manufacturer. Yeah. So one, one element, uh, we have actually got parts of recycled solar panels. In our product, we've Ah. got um, cable sheathing, like your electrical cable sheathing, the PVC that surrounds the copper wire. We've got part of that in our mix as well. And this is all coming from another company we're working through who are recycling them. And this is their downstream product. So we're creating this genuine closed loop system. You know, close the loop, that's a bit of a buzzword at the moment. You know, not many people understand what it actually means to close that loop. You know, as much as I can make this, I can take all this recycled material and I can make the product. If you don't buy it, yeah. That loop's never closed. That's right, yes. And that, that's part of what it is. So we're, we're forming this full loop to close all in and, and around that.
0: Because in recycling, one of the big problems is, and and we there are some big companies that have gone under, because they, they've taken all this recycling, but actually then they've got a store, it, they, yeah, got, they don't know what to do with it. They, they've yep. got it, they've taken it, they've got the contract to receive it, yep. but then what?
1: And traditionally there's been no market for it. No, that's right. And the consumer doesn't want there's a bit of a stigmatism or a stigma around recycled products. Yes. They are either dirty or they're not up to standard that's or they're right. not the same quality. Yeah. I don't want someone to think that I have to, I can only afford recycled. Correct. You know, and that's that's the societal or the mental change that we need to really push. Yes. and drive um, with that which, which, is funny, actually brings me on to my my, my next thing that Please. we've also done. You mentioned the, you know, we all sort of put stuff in our curbside bins mm. and 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 think, right, that's done. I've done my part to recycle, and so did I. And look, this mm. all changed for me about three four years ago. And, and thinking all of this until I went down this path and mm. I discovered, no, 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 just because it goes in that recycling bin does yeah. not mean it's being repurposed mm. or even not going to landfill, which is really disappointing. Yes, and um. I discovered that a whole lot of stuff's going to refill.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's a landfill. And part of what we were doing, um, we also want to incorporate some plastics mm. into um, into our products. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got laid down another path of, of recycled plastics mm. and discovered that the industry doesn't actually really exist or it mm. didn't back then. It's grown a lot in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, so you, I tried to get some help designing some recycled plastic parts and manufacturing them. And, and not only could I not get um, waste plastic, which apparently we've got a lot of it. I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm. Um, I couldn't find anyone who's got any machinery to process it. And I couldn't find anyone that actually had any real experience with to, to help me with it. It wasn't going to cost me, you know, $20,000 of research. Yes. And, um, so yeah, we ended up going, right, well, what can we do about this? And we mm. found this whole movement called Precious Plastic. It's a global movement. It was started over in, um, oh, Norway. No, not Norway. No, over, over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was all about bringing the ability to recycle plastic back to the consumer. You and me, we can do it like at home in, in the garage or the workshop and this kind right. of stuff. And I designed all these open source, um, micro machines. Yeah. And, and just, there were free bl- blueprints. Mm-hmm. You got all the cutting diagrams, you got all your CAD diagrams, everything you needed to take off and give to respective places to get all your parts together. And you could build them yourself. So okay. I thought like, well, this can't cost too much, this won't take too much time. So, we got in and we sourced it out, we got some help in, and we, all, we built these machines and right. we started process, process, starting to process our own plastics. And we discovered that this market really doesn't exist here. So, we started a, a cooperative company called Rethink Recycling, and that was all based around trying to change people's attitudes towards recycling and accept the recycled market, accept the recycled products, showing people, in particular, plastic is not a waste. It yep. is not a waste. It is actually a really viable resource. It's actually an amazing product. We've been using it so badly for the yes. last 20, 30 years mm-hmm. that we have created the diatribe that we're currently in, which is, you know, it's quite bad. The, our waterways in particular are mm. in a shocking state when it comes to plastics. Mm. I could throw out some massive figures, but it'll take too long and scare the shit out of you. But the average person consumes five kilos of plastic every year just through bottled water. Wow. Yep. So... We started this and discovered this whole area that's, that, that doesn't exist. So, yeah, so we've got this whole company going um, and we collect, well, the big problem with the curbside bins, milk bottle lids. Mm-hmm. They're too small. They mm-hmm. literally fall through the cracks in the conveyor systems. So they get swept off the floor and, and sent off to landfill. Mm. So we've just recently finished a case study. There's over, so We import and manufacture over 7 billion lids in this country mm. every year. Mm. And we only recycle 0.7% of them. And that's not even recycled. We re- recycle, repurpose, or we just come find yes. exactly where they go. Right. So yeah, so we've made that our mission to um, to really focus on. So we've got a whole network of um, collection points opening up. We've got a little processing factory we've built up, but it's still quite small. We need to, you know, like I said, processing seven billion lids is mm. is a massive project. Mm. Mm. Um, we walked, We worked out we need over five hundred locations around Australia to actually process oh, them right. if we were going to repurpose them all. Yeah. But um Beli. Yeah. You got
0: a lot going on. Oh and look,
1: it's just gone nuts. The twists nuts.
0: and turns to get there are fascinating. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and what I found really you no, know, that crazy life mm. path that I walked <laughs> just gave me a skill set that I just thought was so irrelevant to anything. That's because right. I looked at all my really successful friends and they were just tunnel vision down there mm. and I've got an amazing skill set at what they do. It's like, oh you know, it's always a little bit envious. Mm. It's like they had the big wages and they had the great jobs and all this kind of stuff. I thought, man. What have I done? I've just Mm. learned all these crazy skills and stuff, but... What it worked out is that when I got to doing these two businesses, I've pulled in every single yeah. skill I've ever learned.
0: All those experiences along the way have culminated yeah. to this moment now. Ab- absolutely, it's
1: and there's so much I couldn't have done, mostly because it was cost prohibitive. Hmm. Because skill paying for other people's skills is actually you know it's really expensive. Yeah, which I mean, so it should be. You you earn those skills. Hmm. So we've actually managed to do so much work ourselves, and allowed us to get to this point without having a massive you know, capital expenditure.
0: Because your life has been the learning. Yeah. And, and w- from everything from the people skills, from the behind the scenes logistics to the hands-on creating and crafting and, and renovating to, to the, the interaction, you know, even as a parent, you, the things you learn as a parent. And yep. travel and it, it's, it's what a, an amazing moment to, to be talking with you right now. A- and it seems to me that all of that has built to this moment how how close are you to being like I, I feel like you're on the cusp. Or have you actually you've launched, you've started, I, I you mentioned launch. No, soft we're pretty launch, much on the
1: cusp. You're cost. right there. We have with with soft launch in a way obviously I've started talking with friends, yes. and friends and family and yep. stuff.
0: And they're excited? Oh, they Absolutely I, I, I have, have not, not had
1: it. one single person go, that doesn't that's not gonna work. That's not to work. Everyone's like, Oh my god, how have you done this? Bang. Oh my god, where can I get it? How yes. can we get involved? All yeah. of this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, the, the the plastic side of it so it's it's a not for profit yeah. Um, so it's a it's a community based, it's yeah. a volunteer based thing yeah. at the moment. That's thrown logistics like you've never seen. You tried, you know you try herding goats or herding cats. I think <laughs> that's, it, it, that's it's what impossible. they say. Yes. Try getting people Mm. to work for you to get stuff Mm. done when you're not paying them. That's right. Yeah. It's so hard because everyone's also got their own primary jobs. So therefore you've got time constraints, Mm. you've got skill constraints, Mm. you've got to try and get this person working with that person when neither of them can actually meet each other or have the same time slot. Yeah. So it's been, that's been an interesting learning journey in itself. But extraordinary. You know, like I guess my, my overall point I'd, I'd like to make on this is don't be scared about not knowing what you want to do or right. where you want to go. Mm. Enjoy life. Let you follow your feet. Someone said to me a long time ago, just just follow your feet. Mm. Just follow your feet. Mm. It's actually quite amazing where your feet take you subconsciously mm. as mm. well. And obviously have a head about you. Be logical. Be sensible. Don't, yeah. you know, do the crazy stuff. Mm. but. Um, it, it's okay not to know what you want to do and, and also allow your life path just to sort of, you know, take its own, take its own journey too.
0: Follow your feet, but that requires, I think, that you would take another step. Yes. You know, I, I think sometimes we don't know where we're going. We don't know the end goal, but if we stay still, if we stay where we are, then that's not so good either. Yeah. But at least take another step. Yep. And, and then take another one, and and eventually, and, and your life is the perfect absolutely example of it. That eventually you you come to something that, that you try for a while, you experience, you explore, you you know you're aware, you're alert, and then you take another step and you try yep. something new, and yep. that's fascinating. That's yep. fascinating. I and love it,
1: and it does work. I, I I did have um an unfortunate bad separation, and I was pretty devastated over it. Of course, and um you know it wiped me out for about two months. The only thing that kept me going was that. She sort of disappeared and left me with my daughter. So I sort of had to get up every morning. and That's right. Do the You've school run and do that kind of stuff. Literally, I probably would never have got out of bed mm. for about three months. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I, I'd come home and then just lie on the couch and mm. stare at the roof for the rest of the day and I'd go and pick her up. And like, you process stuff, you walk through and, 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 and like, literally you hear stories about this. I just woke up one day mm. and I, 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 no, not a word of a lie. I did, I woke up one day, and go, what are you doing?
0: Mm.
1: Walk, mm. walk. And that was 12 years ago. And I've walked and walked and walked. And I've just pushed myself. As you say, mm. you have to take that next step. Yeah. It does. Sometimes it does take a lot of motivation. Mm. But once you start moving, mm. things fall into place. Yeah. And it's amazing how things fall into place. Once you start planting seeds or once you start moving down that path, mm. things kind of happen. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not a hugely religious person. I'm a hugely energy person, all of that kind of stuff. But it's funny how that... It just does seem to be something out there, that yeah. Pulls things in, when you need something the most it kind of, does come. And riding a
0: bike, once you've got some momentum, then you can actually change direction. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're not traveling, if you're not moving anywhere, very hard to a stay balanced, but b change direction. But once you're on the move, take a next step take another step then if, you, if you're not going in the right direction it's much easier absolutely. To then pivot you know change let's made let's try this for a little while and if that's not right you twist back and you try something different. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah, Congratulations. No, thank I, you. I, I thank love you. that. I, I think that story of adventure and and as you say of a willingness to have a go. Yeah. See what happens and, and as you unfolded that story it was an opportunity presented we looked at each other and said, well, why not? Yeah. Let's take this next step and see where it ends up. Absolutely. And now- And that's a big
1: thing, being open to opportunity. Mm-hmm. A lot of people form what they think their life should- Yeah. The path their life should take. A- and possibly
0: because somebody else thinks it
1: should. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's pressure from mm-hmm. family or just general societal yep. pressure. I, wanna, yep. I don't want to break that stereotype because mm-hmm. someone might say something to me or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The more the more you open yourself up, the more you open your heart up to opportunity. Mm. The more opportunities you see, and the more yeah. you are prepared to take yep. with yourself. Wow. The, far, the the hardest one's that first step. Honestly, leaving Melbourne, leaving all everything we knew, and moving up to Wadonga Wodonga was it was a, was hard. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people that got presented with similar opportunities that didn't. They just couldn't leave their friend groups. Yeah. Um, that's okay. If yeah. that's, if you're happy with that, that's fine. But at the same time, if you want a bit of adventure, just be open to it. It's amazing how many opportunities will pass you, this dest- I love it,
0: I love it, I love it. Let's move then to uh, a part of our conversation called the lightning round. Yep. Short and sharp, quick fire, a sentence and maybe a word. Um, Matt Card from the class of 1990. Strap yourself in, for the <laughs> lightning round. Matt, uh, what house were you in? Plumber. Green. Green. What was your contribution to Plumber? maybe swimming by
1: the sound. Yeah look swimming was probably my biggest, I played, I uh, played basketball and okay. soccer um in, yeah. in the house sports yeah. um and swimming was my biggest uh, my biggest contribution up until around year eight. I was very late on the puberty side of things so I do recall going home from end of year eight and coming back in year nine and everyone was twice the size of me. So I kind of lost oh, that bro. competitive edge just on muscle Everybody else grew up. Yeah. <laughs> How did you travel to school? Um, I was lucky. Um, mum, good old, good old mum back in the day, stayed home mum. So dad worked in Box Hill, would drop me off to school on the way through and then mum would always pick me up. So yeah. the idea of wagging or skipping out, I could never no ever option, do it. Again. No option, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that's good. What was your first car?
1: First car was a VB Commodore.
0: Mmm, colour?
1: Blue. Did you have a name? Blue, nah. Nah, I didn't nah I'm not a car, car person, <laughs> you know, it gets me from A to B. <laughs>
0: um, if I was coming over to your place, because we're going to continue this conversation, thanks for inviting me, what are you going to serve up?
1: What's your go-to special Ooh, recipe? Geez, I do enjoy my cooking, you know, being a father. Yeah, home you know, cooking, yes. And going to the point where I absolutely loved it, what would I cook you up? Oh jeez. I'm really, do a really good stir-fry. hmm Um, love my pastas, but whiz on the barbecue, a gourmet barbecue. I don't just slave a couple of snags and stuff on there. Like, I'm literally... Doing what you would see most chefs doing in, a, in yep. a skillet and a couple of pots. I'll do it all on, all on the barbecue. Beautiful. And I love the whole finger food sort of thing. So I'm not going to sit down and serve you out a plate where you sit down with a knife and fork. Uh-huh. I put a spread out. Oh, we've got a nice little outdoor kitchen. Lovely. We put a spread out of all these little bits. You just yeah. come and pick, and pick and choose what you like. Normally at this
0: point I would say, take me out of dinner, but I'm going to stay at dinner. <laughs> but you're going to invite three other people from any era, any time, any nation. Oh, gosh. Who else is coming to dinner?
1: Who else is coming to dinner? Oh, geez. I'm not sure I can even answer that question. Again, I'm not big onto the whole celebrity side. Mm -hmm. And if I go that way, it's going to be all females. So I'm going to seem like that kind of person. I can't, I don't know. You know, if I had a man crush, it'd be Chris Hemsworth at the moment. You know, he'd be fun to sit down and talk with and his counterpart Scarlett Johansson. I'd love to have, I'd love to have them in there. I mean, they're, they're quite relevant relevant at the moment outside of that you know one of my favorite directors is Quentin Tarantino I'd like to pick his brain and mm-hmm. see what ha- what makes him come up with that weird stuff sure sure and and the, again that
0: creativity that yeah. you, you you've got and, and you've experienced and you've explored and, and been able to express yourself and creativity comes out in all sorts of different ways did you have a nickname at school no okay <laughs> that's a short answer <laughs> Do you yep. have a favorite piece never of, ever favorite piece of
1: clothing Favorite piece of clothing? Oh, look, it's just got to be my, my my sweats, my, my, my trackies, and yeah. my, my sweatshirt. You know, or hoodie. Uh-huh. Just kicking, kicking back. I, you know, I, I enjoy being comfortable.
0: Nice, Isn't nice. It? Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that you probably don't have time, but do you read? What book are you reading? Is there a book you'd recommend?
1: I'm not a reader. You hmm. are correct. Um, and I'm into sci-fi fantasy. Uh-huh. Um, so I. Um, That's, that's my genre of books. I've, outside of when I had to read for schooling and and uni and study and stuff, um, that's pretty much what I'm doing because I just find that Releases me so far from reality yes. that I can get to really switch off. Yeah. Um, currently, um, I've actually gone back to some of my old books because they're such an easy read. They're they um Dragonlance. They're called. Mm-hmm. Um, I read them as a kid. I thought, you know, I completely forgot them. I just remember I can pick them up and put them down anywhere, anytime, even if it's only a page. Yeah. And it's okay. So yeah, I've just gone back and reading them. That's and it's like recommended it to you, recommended to your kids. You know, it's sort of the opposite end of the Lord of the Rings. is a really great story, right. but there's just so much content in it and get your head around, yep. whereas this is more of a, just a streamlined. It, it's kind easy of to thing. read yep.
0: as well, and yeah. uh, and escape.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's all about reading. Reading for me is all about it's all about escaping, and it's what I do when I'm traveling. Like it's on the planes, it's on the trains, mm. um, and when I've got really downtime. And like uh, we camp, you know, we we, we camp a lot, and I, I really enjoy kicking back side of the river and reading.
0: Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. I Want to I offer a phrase to you, uh, Lavavi Oculus. It's yep. our school motto. Do you recall what that means?
1: Oh, lift your eyes up yeah. to the hills. Good.
0: Eye to the hills will lift my eyes is uh, yep. Psalm 121, our school psalm, Levar oculis Oculus, to lift up our eyes. Whether as a student or maybe now, what, what do you think that term, that phrase, that idea, that concept, what's it about?
1: You know, back at school, I never really thought about it or interpreted But, but to now, initially, I, I would look at that as though we literally always keep looking up, always aspire mm. to better yourself always become uh try and become the person you know you, you want to be the best the best of who you are mm. that's uh, that's how I would interpret that for me and that's what it would mean to me yes. now at that level
0: and and I think at at a school base that's also the interpretation it's often uh as as I speak with yogi or grammarians, it's often not until after school that something like that a phrase like that or, or an, an ideal like that actually starts to mean something yeah. I think Many of us are aware of it while we're in the moment, yep. but it's actually, you need some perspective absolutely. on it.
1: Absolutely, I was about to say perspective is what really drives you. Yeah, that. it really
0: yeah. helps. You've been really generous with your time and, and I have absolutely fascinated by your story and, and I, I, I'm, I feel privileged that we've been able to capture that today. I've only got one more question. Okay. It's a two-part question. Yep. It's probably the toughest one from the whole time. Okay. Matt Card from the class of 1990. What Question did you wish I'd asked you today? And then, can you answer that question?
1: That's really put me on the spot. Good question. I've enjoyed the chat we've had. I'm mm. not sure if there's any, any more questions. Maybe how can people get involved with Rethink Recycling?
0: That is a beautiful idea. <laughs> Matt, if I wanted to get with uh, Rethink Recycling, where would I go? How would I get involved? Whether as a volunteer or somebody to donate my milk bottle lids?
1: Yep, obviously we have a website, mm-hmm. that covers off the majority of our information and obviously all of our contact information is on there. Yep, we'll put um, that
0: in the show notes.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic. And it, it literally just a case of shooting us an email or give us a call and you're also, the address is up there, you're also welcome to come down and visit our site. Mm. Um, we're down in Springvale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all, that's all you need to do. You can. Your involvement can be anywhere from becoming a member for $20 just because you want to support us and help us keep going. You can collect your milk bottle lids at home. Um, we've got a map on our website that will tell you where you can where you can drop them off. Great. Um, those lids then filter their way through to, we have an aged care facility. who then sort them. They clean them all for us. They sort yeah. all the colours out and stuff and they eventually come back to us so we can grind them up.
0: For quite some time we've been collecting milk bottle tops here but we've lost our option as to where to send them. Yep. So we now have found a new one. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely I'm excited to uh, to partner with you yep. in uh, thousands of <laughs> milk bottles that I've got here that we're ready to pass Absolutely.
1: on. And look, any, anyone that's into designing or, or wanting to see how plastics are actually working can come down and get involved. It, by next year we're developing a whole, we're working with Monash University, we're developing a whole new um, educational program based off the STEM learning system, which yep. we hope to actually start to implement into schools. Mm. We've got a little mobile microprocessing trailer, which will be built by the end of the year, we'll be able to bring it around to the school, you want to come down and see how these machines work, see how you can take a lid and turn it into, I don't know, a hair comb, for Mm -hmm. example, Um, this kind of thing. So, you know, we're sort of getting that level all up and running this year. So we're looking for people to come down and help with that. We're looking for people that want to work. We make sheets of plastic that are around 900 by 900 square, about 20 mil thick. Mm. Come down, you can cut it up, you can Everything you can do with timber you can do with these sheets of plastic. So mm. we're looking for people that want to come and play with that stuff, experiment it with design new products, just mm. play around with it, learn the process. There's so many levels we even if you want to come and help us run the business, come down and help us help us run the business. We will, we're looking for all kinds mm. of people just to get involved. Mm. You know, because it's a volunteer based, you only get snippets of time from everyone. So we need more people yes. with with varying levels of skills to come in and just just chip in for a couple of hours a week or a month it doesn't really matter get involved we've got a really good community we get together we have our own little catch-up barbecues on a sunday once a month sort of stuff and just hang out we're trying to build a social community we're trying Mm -hmm. to get people to understand that we're trying to get the kids to learn to start to use it so when they get to become architects and graphic designers and industrial designers they're not thinking about using steel and concrete and timber they're also thinking about using plastic Wow. It's an inf- it's an infinite resource. We've got enough plastic in Australia lasts a hundred years if we don't make a single gram more. We just got to stop yeah. throwing it in the rubbish. That's right. And we're going to stop double wrapping our wow. bananas.
0: Matt, this podcast is called the Inspired by Yarra Podcast, and and there's traces of your story and opportunities that you're exposed to while you're at Yarra that have you know filtered through, and and some of maybe the confidence that you have, the aw- uh, ability to express yourself, particularly through. Through art and creativity and design, and so inspired by Yara, I think there are there are parts of your journey that sink back to say, "Yep, inspired by Yara." But actually, I think through this conversation, you clearly are an inspiration to Yara and many many other people who are going to hear this story and very soon I think catch on to the story as your success continues to grow and the impact that you have continues to just filter through through. Springvale and then the state and then beyond and beyond and beyond. Who knows. Hopefully. Outstanding. I I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks for your generosity. love
1: love being here. It's great to come back.
0: It's been terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks Paul. Well that wraps up. (laughs) What I think is a fascinating conversation with a great thinker. His website again www.rethinkrecycling.com dot co-op. We'll put that in the show notes as well because there is from a community perspective such a need to do recycling better. Let's rethink it as Matt said. So I want to encourage you to check out that website rethinkrecycling.coop c-o-o-p. Check it out and uh, see how you perhaps in your own small way, whether that's in your family, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's part of your school, part of our school, most definitely we are looking to how we can do recycling better for the future. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope you'll uh, share this episode. There are other people who need to know of the journey of Matt and where that sees him now. And clearly his journey has a lot of exciting twists ahead as well come back next episode when again i'll sit down with another yog a yarra old grammarian and see how they too have been inspired by yarra my name is paul joy and on behalf of everyone here at yarra i want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get on out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you